This is RSN Central with Gareth Thoughts, 11.34. Well, Matt Lanigan is a young greyhound trainer on the rise, born and bred in the Mallee in Swan Hill. Sport was everything to Matt growing up. When you meet Matt at the track, he's a larger-than-life character who's always got a smile on his face. But life hasn't always been smooth sailing for Matty Lanigan. And as you're about to hear, Lanigan will explain how his family, friends, his boyhood hero, and especially the greyhound, saved his life. Hello, I'm Gareth Hall, and this is Matty Lanigan's Extraordinary, your story here on RSN Central. And Matty joins us now. Good morning to you, Matt. G'day, Gareth. How you going, mate? Good, thank you, mate. I was inspired, and my producer, Matty Nevitt, um, uh, read the book Let Go, which is written by the resilient projects, Hugh uh, Van Kylenberg, and it was a fascinating read. And at the end, I was... Um, I was reading that chapter, and it was about you, Maddie. And we're about to to talk about that story. But I don't think many people in the greyhound industry and the the racing industry would know this about you, Maddie. The the story that you've had to to go through to get to where you are right now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, I've probably learnt over the years that um, you know, if I can share my story, then maybe that might be able to to help one person out. Um, you know, and since the book's come out, it's um, I've had a few messages from people that um, people I went to school with, or people that I've known, and um, even from a couple of people that I, I don't actually know personally. Just um, you know, saying um, like you know, saying thank you for me to you know sharing my story, and um, you know, I sort of I said to Hugh when Hugh asked me about doing it, um, you know, if we could just. If it helps one person reach out to see that they can get help, then, um, you know, it's, it's certainly worthwhile. So it's, um, yeah, it's taken a bit of time, but I, I've, um, yeah, learnt that sharing sharing my story can help others. We'll go back to the start. So you grew up in Swan Hill. What was it like? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, obviously it's a long way away from everything, but um, I wouldn't change it. I mean, we, um, you know, all my mates are still there or, or like, they're all from there, Um I was lucky enough that obviously I love playing sport and, and it's a big sporting town. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I loved it. I loved being there. It was, it was great fun. And then um, obviously playing cricket and, and um, you know, going up the grades and, and getting to a higher standard. It, we were travelling a fair bit, um, like going to Melbourne. And, and obviously I wouldn't have been able to do that without mum and dad. So I um, was lucky enough to get a scholarship to go to school at Caulfield Grammar and, um you know, it sort of all just escalated from there. Um, I've, I've still got um, mates that live in Swan Hill and I still love going back there, especially around June Carnival time. It's good fun being there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an awesome place. So growing up in the bush, you are really good at sport. When did you realise that you, if you wanted to continue on trying to make it, in, say, in cricket, which you were really good at, that you had to move away from Swan Hill? Um, probably when I was... Probably the age of 15, really. I mean, um, I was always travelling down, like, for big sides and all that sort of stuff. I was always going down to Melbourne, um, probably nearly every weekend, really. And then um, I was lucky enough that um, I sort of got invited to go play for the Melbourne Cricket Club, and and um, that sort of involved going to training on a Thursday night and then obviously playing again on Saturday. So... Um, you know, like I said before, I was lucky that I had such good support from mum and dad that that they would drive me down there, you know, twice a week sort of thing, and it's a four-hour trip. But, um, 
yeah, probably doing that. It, it sort of certainly took its toll on me, and it and obviously it took its toll on mum and dad doing all the travelling, and and that's probably when we realised that um, you know that I needed to be closer um, to Melbourne and and to where you know all my training was going to be. Um, so yeah, probably about fifteen or sixteen, I reckon. Tell us about your relationship. So, you, you moved from what age did you move from Swan Hill to boarding school? Uh, fif- yeah, fifteen, I think it was. Yeah, 15. I started yeah year ten. So, were you excited? Do you remember back then? Were you excited to to head to Melbourne and start yeah, that new journey, or were you one of those boys that would get homesick missing missing mum and dad? No, I certainly was really excited by it. Um, I mean, I, I was pretty lucky that I knew a couple of guys that um, that went there and. Um, obviously, Caulfield Grammar had the likes of Chris Judd that had been there and Brendan Goddard, and um, so I was pretty excited by all of that. And um, yeah, I, I loved boarding. Um, you know, it was sort of like being um, on school camp. You know, the, your whole time it, I was in there with um, like all my mates, pretty much. So yeah, we have. I absolutely loved it. I, I had an absolute blast, and. Um, uh, unfortunately, probably schoolwork I wasn't very good at. Um, I sort of just always, um, I sort of just liked having a good time and mucking around and and um, having a joke with everyone. So schoolwork probably I didn't concentrate hard enough. But um, you know, obviously the opportunities that I had playing sport um, and the people that I obviously got to play with and become mates with and everything like that was um, yeah outstanding. And uh, I'm yeah I, I would never change it. That's for sure. Tell us about your relationship with the Resilient Projects, Hugh Kylenberg, because Hugh's done some wonderful stuff in communities and working with young people. How did you, how did you meet meet Hugh, and how did that relationship start? Yeah, so um, like I said, yeah, schoolwork obviously wasn't um, yeah my strongest asset. So um, I actually got invited to go to. Um, Cricket Victoria's theatre program for talented players, um, which was only a new program that they'd started up at the time. And, um, you know, it was for kids similar like me that obviously sport and mainly cricket was their main focus. And um, with that, we, we did training about three times a week. And and um, obviously then we did some schoolwork. But um, he was a teacher there. And, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, he, he's just an outstanding guy. Like, I mean, as a school teacher, he, he was sensational. Um, and obviously me, being from the country, and, and I was actually playing in the same, um, like I was playing cricket for Melbourne, and, and Hugh was playing for Melbourne Uni. So, um, you know, even though he was my teacher, I was playing against him. And, and um, you know, so we had really common interests. And and he was just, um, yeah, outstanding. He, he's such a nice guy. And, um, you know, obviously... Since then, I've learned so much about him and, and his family and, and everything that he's gone through. And, um, yeah, without him, I, I certainly don't think that I'd be here, um, yeah, obviously talking to you today. But um, just doing everything that I'm doing with, without him, he's, um, yeah, he's been a massive part of my life and, I, and I'm very thankful um, that, you know, our paths cross ways. This is RSN Central's Your Stories. Matty Lanigan, the boy from the Mallee that was a really talented sportsman um, and then hit rock bottom before going on to be one of Greyhound's rising star trainers. He's already won a couple of group ones and he's been good enough to open up and tell his story to us here on RSN Central. So, Matty, how long... So you moved to as a 15-year-old from Swan Hill 
to Melbourne to go to boarding school. Um, but how long did you, how long until you realised that life was getting a little bit too tough? Um, probably it started all when um, I was about 17 and a half, just before my 18th birthday. I, I um, obviously, um, I was living pretty much by myself. I, I had a housemate that I was living with um, in the city and um, obviously like I was doing cricket pretty much full time and I, um, I I lost my sister and I, I lost my cousin um, 12 months apart um, and that probably, you know, I was by myself most of the time and um, it probably all just got to me a bit too much with everything that was going on and um, yeah, I, I, I just remember obviously struggling really badly and, and um, you know, everything sort of just got to me and um, I remember just saying something to Hugh um, one day like that I just needed to go home pretty much. I just, something wasn't right and I went home and spent a couple of weeks home with mum and dad and um, yeah, obviously um, things got the better of me pretty much and um, yeah, without mum and dad, you know, obviously without their help and, and a good family friend of ours, um, you know, they they pretty much saved me pretty much. Um, so that was probably, yeah, like I said, I was probably just about to turn 18 and um, yeah, with, without those people, uh, like I said, yeah, um, everything could be a little bit different. But we're still here, and um, yeah, it's all going well. Do you remember the day when you when it just became too much? The uh, where you where the breakdown started? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I still, um, yeah, unfortunately, I still have um, like thoughts about like you know like I reminisce about that day and. Um, I sort of can't really remember exactly what my thought process was before at all or anything like that, but I certainly remember going into the hospital. Um, I can remember... Was like this I in said, Melbourne yeah. or Swan Hill? Uh, this was in the Swan Hill Hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was at home at Mum and Dad's, and, um, yeah, I was lucky that, like I said, it was actually uh, Mum and Dad, like like our family friend. Um, he uh, Yeah, he pretty much was the one that um, took me in to the hospital, and... Um, yeah, I, I spent a couple of days in there before the Swan Hill doctors um, pretty much said to me, look, that I needed to go down to Melbourne, um, where I was admitted to the Melbourne Clinic, uh, which was obviously a, um, a like a, a mental health hospital, um, which was all pretty daunting and everything like that. I, I was certainly the youngest person there, and um, I spent two weeks in ICU there and then um, once I did that I was um, just put out to the general ward and I spent three months in the hospital there and um, yeah it was all it was all a lot um, it was certainly pretty scary but um, yeah it's um, like now that I, I've got the help and I and um, I still obviously have bad days but um, I've got my um, other things that I do to you know like when I feel like I'm getting down that I can um you know, do these things that will help me out and um, just make me have more positive um, thoughts. We're talking to Matty Laddick and he's explaining his story. We know Matty is one of the, the brightest young talents in the sport of greyhound racing, but he has some story to tell. And if anyone is struggling out there, um, lifeline number is 131114. Um, so... That that Melbourne experience there, Maddie. When you had a chat to Hugh, did he realise there was a problem before you went back to Swan Hill and and then you went through that terrible 
that terrible period and that 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 day that you nearly nearly took your life? Um, yeah, I'd probably say so. I mean, um, yeah, I certainly had been struggling for a little bit, um, and obviously, mum and dad could probably back that up as well. And I mean, probably from you know, I mean, we've all learnt from it now, but from mum and dad's point of view and Hugh's point of view, you know, like I guess. We probably never experienced anything like it before. And I mean, like, you know, I had no idea what was going on. And I guess, you know, that they sort of didn't either. They, they knew something was changing, but, um, you know, without me sort of opening up to them, nobody really knew what was happening. So um, I was just really lucky that, um, yeah, that Hugh stayed in contact with mum and dad, um, obviously, when I did go home. Um, and obviously, as soon as I come down to Melbourne and, and got out of ICU, I was really lucky to have Hugh there every day and, um, even the kids from school were coming in and everything like that. It was, um, yeah, like I said, without him and without mum and dad and all my friends and stuff like that, it's, um, yeah, I'm certainly very thankful to them. What was the process like when you went to Melbourne? How long did it feel for you to think, okay, I am getting better? Um, probably, I mean, at times it sort of, it was very daunting. Like, I'll be honest, like it was pretty daunting going into there. Um, since then, I've been into another one as well. Um, uh, I went back into hospital again probably 12 months later. Um, and when I was in that one, I, I, like I was, it was really good. Like it really certainly helped me. And, and like I said, I still have the same doctor from then, which is, you know, 10 years on. So um, the whole process of it all, it's, like I said, it was pretty daunting there. Um, I was, like I said, I was the youngest one that was in there. So I, I was terrified pretty much but um you know everyone like the doctors and the nurses and everything like that were outstanding and they make you you know they they understand that like you know even when you feel down and everything like that they understand what's going on and it probably took me um probably say i don't know i honestly can't really remember um probably probably you know six weeks or so to realize that um you know that I, i was getting on top of it um I started obviously on medication and that took a couple of weeks for it to kick in. But, um, you know, it's probably even like more so now, like you realise actually how many people do struggle with it. And at the time, I think I was very close-minded that I was just thinking, why is this happening to me? And, um, you know, I I didn't know anyone. I I didn't know anyone that had experienced it or anything like that. So, um, and I think that's probably the reason why now, like I'm trying to share my story that, it just opens it up that it can happen to anyone. And, um, you know, like I said, I've had such good family support my whole life and everything like that. And I've always had been really well looked after. It just, um, yeah, things obviously got to me and um, my mind just couldn't handle it. And it can happen to anyone. So if my story can help someone out there reach for that help, um, you know, then it's worthwhile sharing. What would be your advice to those people out there? Um, that, it's, that it's okay not to be okay, really. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I I pretty much thought I had everything. Um, you know, like I, I love my sport and everything like that. And um, like I said, family support and great friends, everything. And um, you know, unfortunately, it can happen to anyone. But um, there's certainly good people out there that are willing to help. Um, you know, family and friends, and um, obviously all the support networks that are out there. Like like you said, Lifeline and Beyond Blue, and um, you know, the amazing people that are out there that are willing to help. It's, it's incredible and um, you're certainly not alone. And, um, you know, if you do feel like that at any stage, it, it doesn't matter if it's just a bad day or, or you, 
you know, that you are having those really bad thoughts, um, you know, there's always somewhere there. And opening up about it is certainly the best way of going about it. So, um, yeah, that's probably my advice. I read in the book there was a moment when Ben Cousins came and, and visited you while you were in hospital. Can you explain that day for us? Yeah, that was probably one of the better days um, yeah. in a hospital. I can, <laughs> um, yeah, that was um, outstanding. I mean, obviously, he was, he's like, you know, a mass, I was a massive fan of him. And um, I was really lucky that uh, Hugh's brother, he actually um, went to school with Daniel Jackson. And, and um, I've become really good mates with, with Jacko. And um, he was coming in every day. And, and obviously, I, I was going to have lunch with Richmond every Thursday. And, I was spoilt, really. Like, they really looked after me. And, um, yeah, Jacko organised for Ben to come in one day. And, um, yeah, in he came. And um, I think Mum still has goosebumps about when he walked in. She was, I think she nearly fell on the floor. And all the nurses and everything like that were gobsmacked that he was in there. And, um, you know, he spent a few hours with me. And he was just, you know, obviously he had his own battles. And he probably opened up to me and probably showed me, you know, from firsthand someone that... I idolise that, you know, that we all can struggle. So, um, and I've been lucky enough to still stay in contact with him. And, um, you know, he's, um, I know that obviously he still had his battles on since and, and so have I really. But, um, you know, I think he's he's going really well at the moment. And, yeah, you know, that day was just incredible. It's, um, yeah, it, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I reckon after everything that, Ben Cousins has been through, and I know his old man, Brian Cousins, pretty well. I reckon that yeah. would make him smile listening to what... I know Benny's done things that he would have regretted throughout his life, and um, but things like that would have put a smile on Brian's face, like how much he... Little, like a, a conversation or, or meeting someone when they need you, when you need them the most, can, can, change, your, can change your life in a way or help yeah. you... Or help you I'll help you um, move on. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, he when he came in there, um, you know, like he, he obviously spoke about um, what had he been through and the places that he'd been, and you know, and it wasn't, you know, like um, talking about bad things or anything like that. It was, you know, he was joking around with me, and probably the best thing for me was it just showed me that, you know, like this guy is my idol. You know, I love Richmond, and and obviously he was a Brownlow medalist and. Here he is telling me about, you know, the same, same medication that I was on or vice versa and all that sort of stuff. You know, he, he just showed me that it can happen to anyone. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I've been lucky enough to to obviously meet him and, and had contact with him and everything like that. And, um, you know, like I said, yeah, like, again, with, without him, you know, I, I don't know, I, I, life would be pretty different, but... Um, yeah, I certainly owe a lot to him, that's for sure. This is RSN Central's Your Story with Matty Lanigan. He is one of Greyhound Racing's brightest young stars and he's just been explaining how um, how tough it, it has been for him. Um, but he's over that now and he's kicking plenty of goals. And going back to Greyhound Racing, did the Greyhounds help you on the, the road to recovery as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, um, when I spent my second time in hospital, I, I, um, it was pretty much because I, I had a knee reconstruction and a shoulder reconstruction, and um, so that pretty much ruled out my sport. Um, I couldn't play anymore, and I'd actually been over to England and, and played um, cricket over there and had to come home. And I um, pretty much, Dad and I said to each other, Let's, we'll buy a dog, and because um, Dad's obviously always been involved, and 
Um, you know, we bought the first dog and it's just escalated from there, really. And um, the best thing about them is that, you know, they can't answer you back. And when they listen to you, they just listen. So, um, I mean, when I, when I am feeling down or, or having those bad days, I probably spend a bit too much time in the, in the kennel and talking to the dogs. But, um, yeah, without them, it's, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I can't even imagine life without them anymore. I mean, it's probably been good for me that I couldn't play sport anymore, that, you know, that I've been able to put it into the dogs because, I mean, taking that, how professional I had to take sport, you know, I'll probably take that into the dogs. So, um, yeah, it's, it's um, they're, they're pretty uh, pretty good animals to work with. What makes them so special to you, Matty? Oh, I just think they've all got their own different personalities. Um, you know, they're... They're very affectionate dogs. Um, obviously, their ability to run and how fast they can go. And I really like the challenge of, you know, when you get a young one, um, starting them up and, and teaching them everything um, and getting them fit. And just the feeling of when you win a race, knowing all that hard work that you've done um, to get them right. And, and when they when they, when they do win a race, whether it is just a maiden or, or it is a group one race, it's, um, you know, the satisfaction that I get from that, it's... Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, it's um, yeah, I, I love it, and I, I couldn't think of life without it. Is there any one particular one that is your best mate that you go to all of the time? Oh, uh, there's probably a couple, really. Yeah. Um, probably uh, Webleck Eagle. He's pretty good. He's um, he's got his own. He's certainly got the most amazing personality. He's, he's very affectionate, and he's um. Yeah, he, he just loves people, so he's a pretty good listener too. So he's probably my number one go-to. You're a father now. How much has that changed you? Yeah, absolutely, yep. So i got Noah, um, yep. who's 16 months old, and, um, yeah, that certainly put a whole different perspective on life as well. I mean, um, I'm obviously lucky that my partner, Em, she's now training dogs as well, and um, so we obviously bounce things off each other. But going home to Noah every night and... You know, he obviously doesn't know anything about racing or anything like that yet, which is obviously a good thing. But um, the, probably the best thing is that, you know, if you do have a bad day or the dogs don't go well or anything like that, just going home to him and, and um, you know, it's just a whole different world. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's amazing, that's for sure. And you've mentioned this a few times now that you, if you do have bad days, you're able to handle them better. In How do you do that? What what do you do to, to, to make sure that you, like, stay on track? Yeah, well, I said, like, I have breathing techniques that I try and do. Um, so, like, that just helps me, you know, think about my breathing and it just takes my mind away from anything. It makes me concentrate on that. Um, same with, like, a, a big thing with me is trying to get enough sleep, um, which is obviously pretty hard being a greyhound trainer, but... Um, you know, when you obviously got a lot on your mind, sleep's the number one thing. So that's where my breathing comes in. But um, as much as M probably um, probably says I don't do it enough, but opening up to her, um, you know, when things are going down, I, I sort of need to make sure that I open up to her and, and tell her what's going on instead of trying to bottle everything up. But um, yeah, my bre- my breathing and, and um, like you know, just trying to do things that I enjoy are, are my two main ones. Um, but yeah, it's all. It used to be colouring in, believe it or not. I used to love doing colouring yeah. in because it used to make me concentrate on that and and, um, and just think about what was going on then. But uh, I've probably run out of... I don't have much time to do that anymore. So it's, um, yeah, just the breathing that, and um, and trying to open up. Well, I guess that's harder said than done, really, when M wants you to open up. And I think that's 
that's the case for a lot of the people um, out there that are doing it tough. It's okay to be to open up and let people know that how you're feeling um, and learning to be vulnerable. Um, but yeah, I think people get scared to do that because they think, oh, well, I don't want to embarrass myself or, or let people down. But um, you're actually doing the opposite and letting yourself down. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, um, Em's been awesome that obviously she knows when things are going wrong or anything like that now as well. And, and I guess I've probably got triggers that, you know, or signs that I give off to her that when I'm not, um, you know, when I'm not feeling right or I'm having a bad day. And, and like I said before, before um, obviously now mum and dad, um, you know, we've, I guess it's been going on for 10 years sort of thing that, um, you know, that they, they've learnt things that, um, you know, that I, I can do or say or if I stop talking or anything like that. And, and obviously now they've learnt techniques and, and what works for them with obviously helping me out. So, um, like I said, I'm just so lucky to have the support around me and, um, you know, it's all unfortunately been a learning curve, but, um, you know, I'm just so lucky to have everyone around me. What's your dreams now, mate? You've won two group ones already. In the uh, Greyhound world, a sale cup and a Hobart 1000. What do you want to achieve from, from now on? Is it? Do you understand that life's just more than um, winning group ones? Or ha, ha, what's your perspective now on it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like as much as it's probably hard for me at times to admit that, like, um, you know, when I take all the dogs very seriously and, you know, I love winning races and I'm very superstitious and all that sort of stuff. But... Um, yeah, there's certainly a lot more to life now than than just my sport or cricket or anything like that and um, and racing. I've certainly learnt, you know, how important family time is um, and to have good people around me and just to enjoy life. I mean, um, you know, obviously I was pretty close for it not to be here and, and you know to um, you know to not be able to experience in what I'm experiencing and and. Um, Obviously now having Noah, like I said, you know he's um, watching him grow and all the things that he's doing. Like he's starting to walk and everything now, and um, you know I just want to make sure that he gets to have a good dad, and um, you know he gets the best possible chance of everything. And um, if if and uh, hopefully M can win a Group One on on Saturday night at Wentworth Park with our dog, that'd be nice if we could top it off with that. But can you do uh, that? Uh, I think he's got a pretty good chance. Hopefully he's drawn pretty well in Box One, so. Um, fingers crossed he can get up for it because that obviously that would be her first group one but um, yeah like I said it's just uh, I, I love having obviously um, Em involved with the dogs and, and dad and, and Em's dad Uncle Mars he's um, he's a big player in our, in our team so it's um, yeah it's just good to have such family support and doing something that we all love That's Slingshot Jonesy isn't it in the National Derby final? Yep correct yeah, yep. $3.90 yep. and um um, you got your cousin's dog there, Boston Garden, Georgie Ferrugia. I know he's a great mate of ours on this show, Georgie, but M's yep. his cousin. So um, he's scared of you, I think, Matty. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I think they've got um, a dogs against each other tomorrow night at Warnville as well. And we're in a, in a group chat, the three of us. And it's um, there's a few words going between M and George. Um I think M's probably got that upper hand at the moment, the battles that they have had. But hopefully we can still continue to say that after Saturday night. I don't care if George wins every other race other than the one on Saturday night, as long as we can win that one. <laughs> hey, Matty, we've got a host of SMSs coming through and um, 
people have been touched from your by your story, mate. And we appreciate you opening up here on RSN Central sure. your story. And this is what this segment aims up at, um, getting people to tell their story so people can walk away from it and be inspired by a way saying that, um, yeah, they can they can do whatever they want really and it can get tough but you can get through it. I think Andy sums it up beautiful here. He goes, gee, how would somebody go about getting a dog to race with Maddie? Great story from a ripping bloke. Now everybody wants to join the team, mate. How do we go about <laughs> getting a horse, uh, a dog with Matty Lanigan? Because Harry Coffey's a great mate of ours here on RSN Central. He's got a few of his mates, Dan Bowman and Jai McNeil. Jai McNeil and Harry Coffey are both featured in this yep. series as well on, on your story. So how do we go about getting a dog, mate? <laughs> um, probably the best way is we've got a, um, a Facebook page, Lanigan Greyhound Kennels. Um, you know, people can jump on there and follow us. We put every runner that we have coming up and, and obviously got the replays and all that sort of stuff. M's really good at that. So um, that's probably the best way for people to get in contact with us. Um, and I'm also on Twitter as well. So, um, you know, I've probably found that that's the best way to, to um, you know, to get people involved. And obviously with us being younger people, um, you know, it's probably a, a way for us to promote the sport um, through social media. So... Um, you know, yeah, we jump on there and put up videos and photos and all that sort of stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it's a good way to promote it. And, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to buy a dog, we're, we're, there's always a kennel for fast dogs. Yeah. Are you racing today? Uh, yeah, I've got one at the Meadows today. Uh, race six, number eight, Big Gordy. So um, he's, he's uh, one of the draft dogs from George's draft. So yep. fingers crossed he can go okay. And you, of course, train Sport 927, but I think he's out at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he's injured, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. He's probably only a few weeks away, but, um, yeah, he's he's another really good dog, and he'll he'll make such a super pet when he's finished. He's, um, yeah, he's a great character. You're a star, mate. As I pointed out, appreciate you telling your story with us today on RSN Central. And Slingshot, Slingshot Jonesy will be kicking home um, your greyhound along with them as a part of your partner in the National Derby Final, and hopefully you guys can win your third group one. Go and get there, mate, and keep on inspiring. Well done. Yeah, cheers, Gareth. I really appreciate it, mate. And like I said, yeah, we just, um, you know, if my story can help just one person out there, you know, reach out and get some help, then uh, it's all worthwhile. And I just appreciate you letting me share my story. I really do appreciate it, mate. No, you're a star. Thanks, Matty. And thanks for telling your story as well. There's Matty Lanigan. It's four minutes past 12.